We're going to be uh, diving into the Word this morning, and this morning I've titled the message this, uh, Perfecting Perfect. If you're taking notes this morning, we're going to be hanging out in Luke chapter 7. And before we dive into the scripture, I just want to start off by uh, just being, uh, many of you guys know this, but I I love food. Actually, in fact, I I would consider myself a self-proclaimed foodie. Uh, any, any foodies in the house this morning? Come on, somebody. How many guys love food? Hey, just got a Y membership. Everything's going to be okay. You can catch me at the Y with my headband, you know what I mean, in style. Um, it was actually funny. I worked out the Y for the first time this week uh, since we moved here. And, uh, and somebody was like, are we already getting texts. Like, Callie's getting texts. It's like, man, like, Pastor Tito was wearing a headband at the Y. Like, that's pretty hardcore, you know. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to be that guy. Anyway, uh, so my, my love for food is catching up with me, so I'm trying to take care of what I need to take care of. But here, here's, here's, if you don't know what a foodie is, it's basically, I, I would say the best definition because it's got very nuanced and it's gotten very uh, elitist. But I would just say this, if you're a foodie, you're a person with a particular interest in food. I meet that criteria. So anyway, I was browsing the internet and, you know, this is probably like a Facebook article, like a BuzzFeed or whatever. And there was one that caught my eye and it was, it was this article that said the most perfect foods in the universe. We're talking about perfection this morning, and I thought, hey, food, perfect, two words that I like in the same sentence, so I clicked on it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, can you perfect these that I'm about to show you? I doubt it. Let's go to the first one. Here, here's the first one. Come on now. Sweet potato parmesan tater tots with sriracha ketchup. Come on, somebody. Does that get anybody else excited? Any sriracha lovers? Like four of us. If you don't know what sriracha is, go to the store and buy some, and it's going to change your life. Put it, in, put it in spaghetti sauce. If you're a spicy person, put, that, put a little sriracha in your spaghetti sauce. You will thank me because the kingdom of heaven is going to touch your mouth when that happens. Come on, somebody. Okay, number two. Oreo cookie pancakes. Whoever created this, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously somebody who was connected with God. Uh, here we go. Number three. Mac and cheeseburger. Hey, anybody ever had one of these? Woo! I make my own at times. In fact, uh, anybody ever had the mac and cheese grilled cheese? Like, I'll, I'll make Callie do this sometimes. Like, I'm like, hey, like, if you're going to make mac and cheese, can we just, like, throw some macaroni? Can we make some mac and cheese and just shove it in the sandwich? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just makes everything so much better. Um, okay, number four, all you Nutella fans, fried Nutella banana hand pies. Oof. Come on, somebody. Come on. All right. Number five. Cola marinated flank steak with Frito chilaquiles. Woo! Anybody ever had chilaquiles in the house? Handful of us? Yeah, you are blessed if you've ever had it. And this is like a rendition that uh, is making my mouth water as we speak here. Okay, number six. A little classic here. Bacon, egg, and cheese ego waffle sandwich. Oh, come on. You're going to try that when you get home. Or you're going to rush to the store and buy egos. Uh, hashtag stranger things. Okay. Number seven, cheesecake, cake batter dip. This is, this is right in Callie's territory. She's a, she's a cake batter. Yes. I guess she's the only one. You know what I'm saying? Okay, hey, here we go. Another kind of rendition of a, of a classic. Spaghetti tacos. Come on, somebody. Come on. All you keto people just passed out, but hey, that's going to taste good. Number nine, here we go, let's keep going. Oh, glory, Oreo stuffed chocolate chip cookies. I just can't help, I can't help but just start praising him. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. Number 10, cinnamon roll waffles. This is, woo, come on. People are like, hey, this sermon better be quick because I'm about to get out here for lunch. 
All right, number 11. Chocolate dipped coffee ice cream glazed donut sandwich. Not keto-friendly, exactly. Number 12, last one. Bourbon marshmallow s'mores with bacon. Whoa! Like, this is, like, so creative. Like, I'm like, you just, like, put great things and just shove them together, and it's magic. You know what I'm saying? Um, so here's my point this morning. Come on. We're talking about perfection. Can you perfect these items? You know what? If I'm being honest, I doubt it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, like, that's an incredible list right there. And I'm a food lover, and um, it's pretty heavenly when you see that. But, I mean, the reality is, is, like, this isn't perfect. Because you know what not makes these things perfect? That if you probably eat one of these items, you got to clear the whole schedule the next day. You know what I'm saying? Anybody relating with me? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, two of us understood what I'm talking about. Imperfect bodies, right? We're not perfect. We're going to look at a story in Scripture this morning, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, that talks, we're going to find some moments where somebody identified that they were not perfect. We're going to find these moments in this narrative where, where Jesus is present, right? And we're going we're gonna to identify a few moments where people realized their imperfections, right? So let's, let's read this together, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to dive into this. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. It's up on the screen um, if you're following along. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them in her, with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Some people in the room are like, this is getting really weird. Uh, verse 39, okay. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But, for, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray together this morning. Lord God, I pray that, Lord, something supernatural would happen this morning in our hearts. Lord, that we would understand we're not just coming in a room, gathering together, uh, and just going on with our week. But right now there's an opportunity to hear from the creator of the universe. The one, the Bible says, holds the universe in his hands. So, Lord, whatever, whatever kind of disconnect maybe that exists right now, Lord, we're just so thankful that we can ask you to remove those out of the way. Lord, that there's something personal and individual you want to speak to each and every one of us, but there's something also corporately that you want to do in this group of people to push us forward. Lord, we're just so thankful for all you do. We're so thankful that this morning we have an opportunity to hear from you, and you are a great God. We give you praise this morning. 
in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. Are you perfect? That's the question I want to present uh, to us this morning as we, as we kind of dissect this section of Scripture. Are you perfect? I don't know about you, but I, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I struggle with that a little bit. So I just feel like as I prepared for this message this morning that, that God was really just knocking on my heart. And my hope is as we just pull out a few observations and applications that, that this would be really practical for your life. Because I just feel like the Lord was really speaking to me in ways where he was, he's getting me to make adjustments for my life. So let's, let's dive in. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 38 says this. Begin back up at the top. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now... Pharisees, uh, if you didn't know, these are like hyper-religious people. Like God had laws, and these people like to the nth degree were like, we need to create more laws to make sure everybody was like on the moral high ground, right? But as imperfect people, uh, people found out really easily that that's not easy to do. So these people really prided themselves on like following the details of this law that they added and really began to be really religious towards people and really uh, mean-spirited and mean-hearted to people that didn't follow it, right? So this is one of these guys trying to understand, get to know Jesus. Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah for, for God's chosen people. So we have this, these two characters that kind of enter into the story, Jesus and the Pharisee. It says this, verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So we're going to look at a few moments this morning, and here's the first moment that I want us to catch. There was a moment in this section of Scripture where the woman heard about Jesus and realized she wasn't perfect. I love, I love investigating the Bible. I think there's sometimes in the biblical narrative where we don't get all of the details. But here's what we know about this woman. This woman obviously had some sort of an encounter with Jesus. Him claiming to be who he was. Man, this woman, she wanted to get near Jesus. I think of the woman that grabs the hem of Jesus' garment, right? There, there's so many different occasions where people sensed God's presence, sensed who Jesus was actually who he says he was, and wanted to get with Jesus and get on board with his good news and his message. So we don't see this in the narrative, but what we do see is the byproduct of her wanting to get with Jesus, her chasing after Jesus, chasing after Jesus with such courage that she enters into this uber-religious guy's house and begins to perform really interesting activities on Jesus' feet, right? What's interesting, she pours perfume, which during this day, washing the person's feet as they entered into the household, that was normal. But this woman, she went kind of above and beyond and poured perfume. And during this time, perfume wasn't just something that you wanted to just pour out, right? This was something of wealth. This was something for this woman, who was a woman who was probably, we could assume, struggling financially, typically just because of how women were treated in a patriarchal society, She's giving all she has, and she's pouring it on the feet of Jesus to wash Jesus' feet with the best that she possibly has. And it's interesting because we, like, just to set up the scene, too, like, you're like, how is this happening? Like, she's, like, under the table, like, what? You know what I mean? We think of tables like we all sit at a table and chairs, right? During this time, in, in, in this time period, what was typical is there would be a table in the middle, and people would actually kind of lay while they were eating and dining with other people. So basically it's like model pose, you know what I mean? Like up against the table, like I eat over here, here's the table, and your feet would stick out. So basically it's like people, if you were looking at it from above, it's like spokes on a wheel, like people's bodies, right? So that's what Jesus was sitting like that. So this woman kind of comes up and begins to, to wash his feet, right? And it was obviously 
for the Pharisee and for, for the culture during this time, what she was doing, this act that she was performing, was considered improper. Disruptive, right? As we read it, you kind of cringe. You're like, this is kind of, from our Western mindset and our, our lens, it's kind of awkward. It's cringeworthy, right? But she takes great courage in doing it to serve Jesus, this, 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 this man who claims to be fully God, who also is fully man. And it, it got me thinking about this this morning. Sometimes we, we don't, we create excuses because we don't, we don't feel like we're religious enough. Or we don't feel like we're churched enough. Or we feel like we don't know how to worship God properly, right? And here's the bottom line. We're all a mess. I don't know about you, but I can relate to this woman in terms of the disheveled mess that she feels like. Sometimes we feel like that in life. But maybe you're a person, you're like, I don't know how to properly pray. But sometimes it just takes courage when God's just asking you, hey, don't think about this in a religious box. Just, I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Think about prayer in terms of a conversation. Maybe you're a person, and you're like, I just, I don't really, man, when we're musically worshiping God, I don't know how to, like, respond to God in worship. And God's just simply saying, you don't need to be perfect. Just, just give, surrender everything you have to me. Give it all. Take a posture that just illustrates the way that you feel about me in your heart. Maybe you're a person, you're like, I don't know how to properly read, read my Bible. I didn't go to Bible college. Man, but it takes a village. How many guys know, even in some times of gleaning and sharpening one another and learning from other people and how to read and interpret the Bible. Maybe that means joining a small group. Maybe that means getting in community with other people. That's why I love the church. We don't do this alone, but we're a family that can work through these things together where we're confused, where we don't understand. Maybe you're a person, you've been a, a believer, a follower of Jesus for a long time. You're like, I haven't told many people about Jesus. But God would just say this morning, you don't need to be perfect, but begin to pray for opportunities. And when those opportunities come, be prepared and have a reason for the hope that you have. I love when the Bible says that. It doesn't complicate, make it weird, make it churchy. It's like, hey, if, if, if God's given you a hope for your life, deposit that same hope into somebody else's life. Because if God's transformed your life, come on. You now have the responsibility of bringing hope to somebody else's life who maybe is feeling down, who's feeling hopeless. But it takes courage to do things that sometimes make us feel uncomfortable. And here's what I know after following Jesus for many years. Man, you get in some really uncomfortable situations. But man, how I've seen God stretch my personal capacity. How I've seen God stretch areas of my life that I didn't even think were stretchable. Come on. But God is not calling us to be perfect this morning. How many of you guys know that? He meets us right where we're at. Some of us have carried this perfection kind of complex in how we approach our relationship with Jesus and we get overwhelmed. But God's just asking you to take some steps. And they might be uncomfortable steps. It might feel like you're walking barefoot on some, some gravel and it hurts and it, it's a little painful. But God's there grabbing you. He's right next to you. And he's leading you. And he's meeting you wherever you find yourself. It doesn't require perfection. But I love it. There was this moment in the narrative where the woman heard about Jesus and realized she wasn't perfect. She had this realization. And she chased after Jesus because of that personal realization that she had. Let's keep moving on. Are you perfect this morning? Luke chapter 7, verse 39 says this. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, 
he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So the next moment that we're going to look at, right, there was a moment where others around knew the woman wasn't perfect. It's easy to find other people's imperfections, right? It's really easy to do. Pull up Facebook. Find a lot of that. Easy. Easy to shoot arrows. Easy to point people's wrong. People, I feel like, feeling like they're getting a job in the career of like pointing out other people's wrong. This is normal. This is human nature. Let's look at a story that's, man, centuries past, and we see the same type of human behavior. It's easy to point out the flaws in someone else who maybe there's a little of relational distance from them, right? People knew she wasn't perfect. But it reminds me of those type of people that kind of have an effect on a social situation. That person walks in the room and it changes everything. You ever, ever been in a group of people and then that happens? You can feel it. There's something that's like, man, it's like tangible about a certain presence entering a room where it causes emotions to kind of hype, right? Maybe it causes you to kind of tense up a little bit. Everyone senses it. Nobody says a word, but everyone knows what's going on. I've been in situations like that. This, this woman, she was a person that, that carried that type of reputation that made people feel really uncomfortable. So when she walked in the room, man, people, people could sense it. People could feel it. It's like this morning. Can you imagine right now in the middle of service? Somebody who's an outcast from our community. Think about that person. Living here only two years, I know there's a few that I've seen where people reject them. People have a reputation. They're outcasts. There's a certain label. Maybe somebody's placed on this person in our community. Can you imagine for me at the second that person walks into church right now, interrupts us a little bit. Weird time to kind of walk in and blast through the doors and just decides to take a seat right down at the front. Nobody would be saying a word, but everybody would be sensing how uncomfortable, how awkward it is. And what's interesting Everybody would be like, Pastor, what are you going to do? Right? It's like, glad it's not on my shoulders to defuse this situation. But this is very much like the scene with the Pharisees. They're all sitting around, their arms crossed, saying, what's he going to do? What's his next move? How's he going to respond to this person who gives and makes the room, man, the, the type of person that the climate of the room changes, the temperature of the room changes, just by that person walking out. Everybody's waiting to see how Jesus is going to respond. But I think it's funny because I think sometimes we create distance when we read about a story and a person like this. We say, yeah, I know that type of person. But for some of us, we need to have the freedom to admit that we relate to this type of person as well. Because we have our social lives, but maybe some of us, we feel like this outcast in our families. We feel like this outcast in relationships. Maybe for a good portion of our life, we feel like we've been pushed away in the same way that this woman has been sensed to be pushed away. And we can relate on that level of imperfection in the same way that this woman, as this story is just kind of unfolding in front of our eyes, how she felt and how she made people feel. There was a moment where others knew, others around knew the woman wasn't perfect. Are you perfect this morning? Let's keep going. Luke chapter 7, verses 40 through 42, it says, Then Jesus answered his thoughts. <laughs> answered his thoughts. I love that. Simon! He said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. 
A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? So now there was a moment when both debtors realized they weren't perfect. Two people, both owe money, different amounts, but they both owe. They both have debts. Both have made an error, not being their own perfect provider. Both have a debt. Both are in a situation where they have not provided for themselves in a perfect way. If you missed a mark in your life, if you ever made a mistake, you're not perfect. I think of all the areas of injustice in our world today. Think about all the things that just ache, hurt our hearts, make us shake our heads, make us get emotional. Whether it's watching the news, reading some of the newspaper, being close to somebody and hearing a story where somebody was affected in a way that has an impact on us. And I think about the ways that I've participated, maybe not always directly, but indirectly, to those same evils and injustices in society. Have you ever participated in one? Here's one for me. I've judged somebody before knowing the content of their character. In fact, I, I still do that. That's still an area that God's grace is continuing to transform me. So how many of you guys know, maybe that's not direct, but there's still this debt, this indirect debt because of my life that I'm contributing to something that we can really point out in our world and say, there's a larger problem here. Something's wrong here. There's a disconnect from the ways that things should be and the way that they actually are. Heinous crime or passive injustice, different impacts, but both are debts to the idea of imperfection. There was a moment when both debtors realized they weren't perfect. Neither. Different debt, same realization, imperfection. Are you perfect this morning? Let's keep going. Luke chapter 7, verse 43. So Jesus asked this question, right? Who do you suppose loved him more after that? So Simon replies, okay? Talking about the debts. Talking about the difference of debt. Okay, who loved? Okay, Simon replies. He says this. I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly. Bingo, Jesus said. It's like game show host Jesus right there. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So now we get into this moment. There was a moment where one imperfect person realized they needed a perfecter more than another imperfect person. This is interesting because we're talking about silver. Denarii was the actual uh, monetary kind of system that existed during this time. So 50 denarii, that's where 50 pieces of silver. What that would equal kind of today is like two months of wages. It's a good, good amount. Um, but the other debt that Jesus mentions is 50 or 500 which is about 20 months. So, like, let's just, like, relate to it on, like, terms nowadays, right? So we're talking, like, 5,000-ish dollars versus, like, 50,000. You see what I'm saying? We're talking about, like, a okay used car versus, like, a decent, like, newer used or newer luxury car, right? That, that's the kind of difference we're talking about. But can you imagine, let's just think about this. Say you borrowed 10 bucks from a person that you don't know, it's kind of sketchy. 
or maybe you borrow a thousand. And then that person, the sketchy dude, says, hey, the only contingency now is this deal's done, and if you don't pay me back tomorrow, your life's going to be done then. You're dead. Now, let's think about this for a second. The debtor who you're indebted to, $10, you're like, well, that's not that big of a deal. I got 24 hours to scrounge up $10. That's, that's doable. Still a highly stressful situation and extremely unrealistic, if we're being honest, but Think about the impact that it would have on you. Okay, I'll scrounge up. I'm, I'm in a bind. I'll find $10. Can imagine me with, for me, imagine with me for a second, $1,000. Now, if you're struggling for cash anyway and you have to borrow $1,000 and now they're saying you've got to find $1,000, you're going to be sweating bullets. It's a different situation. You have a different situation that you're facing because you're realizing the cost and the penalty that exists because of that. And you're going to have to hustle for 100 times as much as the other. This is going to be a struggle. But then imagine for me that one of your friends comes to the rescue and decides to pay for that debt. Now, 10 bucks, you're like, thanks, bro. It's like, not that big of a deal. I could have probably done it on my own, right? Can you imagine somebody came in, 1,000 bucks, boom, it's yours. No strings attached. This is my gift to you. You don't have to pay me back, but this is your, can you imagine for a second the relief of that $1,000, the hero coming to rescue you of giving that $1,000 you are faithful, God, you are faithful. You know, just like bust out into worship song in the middle of it, right? Because you'd be so thankful in the midst of it. The debt that you owe, that you, you would have such trouble of paying back, if not being impossible, because you were already in a financial bind. See, this morning, the realization of your debt matters. Because it really begins to influence how you respond. The realization of your debt truly does matter because it causes you to respond differently. There was a moment where some imperfect person realized they needed a perfecter more than another imperfect person. Are you perfect? Are you perfect? Luke chapter 7. Verses 44 through 47, we're moving along here. It says, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Next moment in this narrative. There was a moment where an imperfect person could not be perfected because they thought they were perfect. I don't want us to misinterpret this this morning and saying, well, I want to do a bunch of imperfect things so that I can all be perfected more. That's not, that's not the point of this narrative. The focus isn't on the woman and how bad she is and the distance she has from being connected with God. But it has more to do with the responses. So there's two types of responses from two separate characters in this narrative. That's where the narrative really focuses in. Two characters who respond completely differently to this character named Jesus. Woman's response to Jesus responds in love. 
he responds with desire to serve him, to be courageous, to not care, obviously, what people think in this social setting. Very improper. Very awkward. The Pharisee's response to Jesus, he didn't even do what was polite. He's thinking, why would I? There's no point. Doesn't even do what's normal to wash the person's feet as they enter. Why would I need to do that? What's the point? Just some guy, Jesus, right? The point is this morning, the more you feel like you're perfect, the less in need of a, perfect, a perfecter you will be convinced. The more perfect you convince yourself that you are, the less in need of a, of a perfecter you will be convinced. This is the problem is that with a lot of our comfortabilities around us today, a lot of us, globalrichlist.com, anybody remember this? If you look that up, you can look up your annual salary, and even if you're making minimum wage in the world today, you'll realize that you're in the top 10 percentile of the world. We have a lot of opportunity to get really comfortable and to distract ourselves from things in life that don't matter. And sometimes those things that surround our life and distract us cause us to think in terms of my debt is no big deal. I got a problem in my life. Well, that's a $10 debt. I can pay that. I can take care of that. Oh, that's an issue I see in my life. It's no big deal. I got this. Because when it comes to the majority of the things, the way I contribute in life, I'm a good person, right? But we look and we approach God and we approach this life realizing there's something, there's a disconnect happening. And we began to say to our imperfections, we began to address our imperfections by saying, it's not that big of a deal. When a lot of our passive imperfections in the way that we contribute and relate to this world reveals that the debt is so high. Something's wrong. There's something that has to do with our human frailty in this world that needs to be addressed. It, 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 it causes great concern for me when I look at the world and I see humans getting together, solely humans putting their brains and their hearts together saying that we are going to give the solutions that the world needs. And it's going to be up to us. Because if we learn from history past, people that have tried to accomplish great things for the world time and time again over history have proved what? That we are imperfect people and we fail time and time and time and time again. The debt of our human frailty is priceless because we are not perfect. If you are not perfect, you do not, as a human being, carry the will, power, or glory to perfect yourself. This poses a problem in the world today. This poses a problem in our society today. When we understand that, once again, there is some sort of a disconnect. There was a moment where a not perfect person could not be perfected because they thought they were perfect. Are you perfect? Are you perfect today? Luke 7, 48 through 50, let's finish up here. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This morning, if you're honestly convinced you're not perfect, which I hope many of us would when we just get down to it, we would honestly admit that, that we are imperfect people, then, then this is for you. This is, this is the part of the story that, that's for you. Because there was this moment that happened here where Jesus revealed that he is the perfection. He's the one. If you're in fact not perfect, who or what is perfecting you? Because if, if, if it's not the savior of the world, if it's not that, there's other things that you've attributed in your life to be things that are contributing to your perfection. We've misprioritized things maybe in our lives and convinced ourselves that maybe this is the thing that I prioritize. This is the thing that gives me pleasure. This is the thing that I've convinced, I've bought into the lie that's actually perfecting who I am. But it's amazing because we, we don't have to be victim to the frailty that exists in us. God has actually cared about us so much that he's given us a way out. He's sent his son, come on, to be that friend who comes in and it pays the debt, no matter what the cost. But the issue isn't the, the cost. The issue is the fact that each and every one of us has a debt that exists in this society, that exists that we look around the world today to understand that humans are frail people with tons of imperfections. And we've got to figure out how to deal with that. And God, rather than being distant and saying, okay, we're just going to set the course of the world in motion and peace out, everybody. God chose to work in this thing called time to be a relational God for his people throughout the years of old. And then the pinnacle became Jesus. There was a story that we read about, but we know that the centerpiece of the Bible is Jesus. Because society was being pushed in a direction. There was promise. There was things to come. And it pushed in the culmination that we read about in the Bible called this thing called the, 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 the burial, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And because of that moment, we don't have to try to find the answer of what it means to be imperfect people and what that looks like. And it's being perfected ourselves. Because when Jesus came, when he died for us, when God set this plan into motion at the very right time in human history, he unlocked an opportunity for each and every one of us to carry the role, to be covered by his blood, that when we face judgment that we deserve simply by being imperfect, God looks at us by being covered by his blood and says, you're perfect. We have the solution. Some of us have really deep questions about the cosmos. There's a big question mark at the state of our souls, the state of how we relate to this life. But I love it because Jesus gives us the firm answer. We don't have to lay our head down on our pillow at night and have questions about how our purpose relates to this universe and this thing called life. Because God cared about us so much that he set this plan into motion and let Jesus be the perfect sacrifice to cover our imperfection so that we would have a new status. So that when we approach the world that we see so much, we approach it with God's justice to not point towards self. But when we become followers of Jesus, understand that the same sacrifice that he made is the same sacrifice each and every one of us is called to. So when we look at a problem in the world, we don't just cross our arms and say, what are we going to do? We don't cross our arms and start attending a church and say, what's pastor going to do? We uncross our arms and we get our feet moving because in the same way that Jesus carried the cross, he's called us to carry our own. And we begin to see Jesus-like love spread throughout our community, spread throughout our city, spread throughout our world. 
because he designed this thing called the church that's not built upon a building, but that's built upon a confession of faith of saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And as people gather and begin to follow and make that call in their life, things begin to transform communities, cities, and this world. I believe this morning that we're a group of people, and if we're going to choose to follow Jesus, we can change the world together. We continue, we can continue to change this city together. We can have the vision to plant other churches, not buildings, other people called by God in different areas to continue to allow the goodness of God to spread. That's the vision that God wants to impart on our lives as we say no to ourselves and we look towards Jesus as he gives us the, com the compassion, as he gives us the capacity to not turn inward towards our flesh, our old master, but to turn towards him and his spirit as he leads us into new territory, into new adventure, into this thing that we call life that has a different lens and a different capacity that he gives because of his death, burial, and resurrection. The Pharisees tried to complicate this. They're like, who's this guy I think he is? Like, he's coming up on the scene doing magic tricks, forgiving sins. Here's what happens many times. It's really religious people in church, they try to complicate things. This is simply what God's asking us to do. Place our faith in him. Allow him to be Lord of your life. Don't come expecting that you need to do this, you need to do that. Simply, I'm going to make it as simple as possible. Place your faith in him. And when you do that, he's going to begin to transform you and push you in the direction to take steps. Not take leaps into a spiritual pond. We're done with the days of expecting people when they walk into the church to just take a ridiculous jump off a cliff into a spiritual pond. God is not asking us to do that. He's asking us to simply place our faith in him and trust him along the way. We're going to be imperfect because we still struggle with this old master that we live for, that we're used to this society that we live for under this old master, the ways that we're used to doing things. But God's going to give us a new capacity. We're going to learn how to submit to that new way. And we're going to stumble. And we're going to prove once again that we're imperfect. But, but the best thing of all is even in the midst of our imperfection, we're carrying the blood of Jesus over our lives. That gives hope to the people that think they're in the deepest muck of situations that they can't get out of. But we get to be the people that bring that hope. Don't need to be perfect. perfect. God is going to make you perfect. And then he's going to give you a life that pushes you towards a practical trajectory towards his perfection. And you're going to see your life transformed. This side of heaven, yeah, heaven's coming. But this side of heaven, there's transformation that God wants to impart on this world that he loves so deeply and so much. Amen this morning. This woman, she had faith in him rather than faith in herself. It's that simple. Her perspective looked a lot different than this Pharisee, this religious person. There was a moment where Jesus revealed he is the perfecter. And this woman wanted everything she could to deal with that life. Follow that life. Follow that God. This morning, the more you feel like you're perfect, the less in need of Jesus you'll be convinced. The more you downplay the imperfection that exists in your soul, in your life, the less convinced you'll be of needing a perfecter. Needing someone like Jesus to come and inform every area of your life. And not to come and condemn, but to come and release grace. Release something that you don't deserve. Release blessing that you don't deserve, that you're going to receive simply because that's what a life with him looks like, an abundant life.
us here to find it. If you're unconvinced maybe this morning and maybe you think you got it all together, you want to per- prove how perfect you are, let me ask this question. Would you, would you let the person next to you this morning as we sit here watch the film, film reel of your past 24 hours, past seven days, past month? Anybody ever a fan of the show Big Brother? Guilty pleasure. This show fascinates me so much because they just show a bunch of people over the summer with cameras all on them. This year, just like many other seasons, there's racist remarks. There's imperfections all over the place. But it's so funny, right? People, people have left the show. They get out and people fire them from their jobs for the ways that they acted. Because when you're in it, you don't even realize the type of behavior that you have. But man, if you watch the film reel of your life, it's going to be easy to point out there's something that's disrupted in the human spirit. There's something that's wrong. There's, there's pain, there's anguish. You don't live through the moments of your day without experiencing grief, without experiencing suffering. And I love Jesus because he's not robotic. He pulls us out of the mess. But he uses the mess to be grace for our lives to then extend and serve other people's lives. He allows us to experience pain at certain times of our life because there's somebody that might be experiencing that pain that he's going to cross your path with and you're going to have a massive impact. Once again, God's called us and pushed us outward to go. The bottom line this morning, you cannot perfect perfect. If you already carry the perfection that you think you need, it cannot be perfected in the way that God sees this world that he loves so much. Amen. And I don't say this in terms of our imperfection to shame anybody, but to help us realize there's something there that's missing. There's something missing. We can either avoid it and use our life to avoid it until the day that we, we breathe our last breath and realize that we've, we've wasted a lot of time. Or we can, we can allow today to be the starting point. We choose to live life through a different lens. We choose to live on purpose, on mission with God and how he sees and understands this world that he loves so much. Amen.